1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Will the government give more help to older Canadians amid the pandemic? I talk with Seniors Minister Deb Schulte. And what if you need health care that is not related to COVID-19? Dr. Joshua Smith details the plan for getting urgent eye care. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It was an added birthday gift for a 104-year-old Oregon man. William Lapsky's is now probably the oldest person to recover from COVID-19. He was diagnosed on March the 5th and pronounced fully recovered earlier this week. The Second World War veteran and birthday boy has lived through the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, and multiple recessions a long day in lockdown, do you need a drink? In South Africa, police are enforcing a ban on all alcohol sales during the shutdown. Other countries, like Canada, say liquor stores are essential services. And in fact, there are reports that alcohol sales are soaring. Debate continues about whether a glass of wine is a good way to cope with self-isolation and anxiety. The Canadian Centre on Addictions and Substance Use says during this pandemic, Everyone feels like it's Friday or Saturday all the time. Mountain goats have taken over a small Welsh town while humans are in quarantine. While the 20,000 residents of Llandidno stay indoors to avoid the coronavirus, the goats saw an opportunity to reclaim the land. The hooded animals are snacking on plants and trees, climbing on rocks and frolicking in the streets. The United States' top infectious disease specialist is getting his own bobblehead. The creation from the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum features Dr. Anthony Fauci wearing a suit as he discusses the coronavirus pandemic. Museum co-founder and CEO Phil Sklar says the 79-year-old Fauci was picked because many people see the plain-speaking doctor as a hero right now. Sklar says the museum will donate $5 from every $25 Fauci bobblehead that's sold to the American Hospital Association. The funds will go towards getting masks and other protective equipment for healthcare care workers. I'm Libby Zneimer and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Is Ottawa doing enough to help Zoomers? In addition to measures targeting low-income and frail elders, the government lowered the amount of mandatory RIF withdrawals by 25% for this year. CARP says these withdrawals should be suspended altogether in light of plunging markets. That's where I began a wide-ranging conversation with Minister for Seniors Deb Schulte.
2: What was done was to reflect uh, specifically the reduction that has occurred already in the market, which is about a 20. It's bouncing up and down. It went down to 30. It's back up a bit now. But it's going up and down. So it was addressing immediately the impact that was the markets were, um, were, were feeling. And so that's why that amount was picked. It is not required to be removed until the end of the year. So hopefully people can defer taking that money out um, and wait until the end of the year and see what uh, the market is doing at that point. And Hope again, springs I, eternal. I, I that if it's going better by then, we may not be in a difficult situation. If we are, the government is keeping a close eye on things and we will, uh, as we've said before, all, thing, all measures are on the table and we are keeping an eye on how things are going.
1: One of the things that seniors are feeling the impact with is that a lot of home care has stopped. Have you given any thought to how to deal with that?
2: It is a concern. It is something that we're we're working to address with the provinces and territories.
1: Also, with the provincial jurisdiction here in Ontario, the uh, Minister for Long-Term Care removed a lot of the requirements for people working in long-term care as an emergency measure, removed the need for qualifications, removed the need to report problems. So, on the one hand, some people say we're desperate, we need help from anyone, and but advocates are saying that this could be a disaster.
2: Obviously, you know that this is a provincial question, um, yes. So, you know, we can just try to be helpful um, and obviously support by sharing information. And, uh, and I know that this is uh, definitely a, an issue that the Minister of Health uh, has been working with her counterparts in all provinces and territories on. There is, again, a balance between meeting the needs of those, and it's very much similar to the balance that we're trying to strike with those that are going into seniors' homes that are trying to provide care within their own homes um, through the home care uh, network. But it is, it is, it is a challenge. Um, however, I have been talking to operators that have been looking at creative ways to bring back those that are recently retired so that they have the skill set and they often have the knowledge of the particular environment that uh, is needing help. They're also reaching out to students that are very close to having, um, you know, their qualifications met to be able to graduate and go into that field. So they've been reaching out to look at how they can tap into the new, um, emerging, um, you know, students. That are becoming available and and can't right now because they haven't finished a program. So there's a need to be, uh, like you said, a little more flexible in in being able to have those people come and assist. And they're looking for jobs now too. They need to have income, and so this is a great match.
1: There's a massive shortage of personal support workers to begin with.
2: Well, this is this is why we have to tap into some of those additional resources because you're absolutely right. This um, this crisis has exposed uh, all sorts of, um, I would say, opportunities to improve the system. There's no doubt about that.
1: The virus has brought with it the virus of ageism, and people are worried that they will be denied life-saving equipment on the basis of their age alone. What are you doing about
2: that? I'm older myself, I'm I'm 60, and, uh, you know, I start to see it with my friends and colleagues that can't get it, once they lose a job, they can't get another job because they're deemed too close to the age of retirement. So it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it is out there, it's something we need to fight. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees that you cannot be discriminated against uh, because of age, and it's not the way that our healthcare system works. Our healthcare system triages sort of the most um, likely to recover if there's any shortage. But I want to assure people that the government at all levels is working night and day, 24-7 on this, to make sure that we have the supplies and the resources we need and that we don't get to anything like that kind of position that we're seeing in some other countries I
1: mean, yesterday I talked to the head of the Canadian Medical Association, and he walked back comments saying that a 65-year-old at the end of his or her life wouldn't get a ventilator compared to a 35-year-old. I mean, you know, he did walk back the comments, but they were made nonetheless.
2: Well, you know, some people are caught saying things uh, that are not actually accurate at times. Uh, That is not the way our medical system works. Our medical system basically triages people based on, you know, their severity and their opportunity to recover. And so that's that's what will happen if we get there. But we are not, we are working diligently, like I said, 24-7 with all levels of government to make sure that we don't get there.
1: Minister Deb Schulte, uh, stay safe and thanks for being with us.
2: You too, Libby, and keep doing the great work that you're doing. I really appreciate it.
1: That was Minister of Seniors, Deb Schulte. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Canadians, especially those over 65, need eye care. Routine checkups are cancelled because of the pandemic. But the Ontario Association of Optometrists have come up with protocols to provide urgent care during this extraordinary time. I talked with Dr. Joshua Smith.
3: The uh, chief medical officer of health ordered all optometric practices to close except for urgent and emergent care. And our college, our regulator, has uh, recommended that we stay available for our patients during this time to help keep people out of emergency rooms. So the the situation now is that uh, that first point of contact with your doctor is very much likely going to be a phone call or a video consult, just like with your family doctor right now as well. And if there is a, an urgent case that can't be assessed or properly assessed or treated uh, through a remote visit, a uh, phone call or video chat, then in-person uh, visits may be needed uh, and uh, may happen at, uh, at your own doctor's office or a different office, depending on where, uh, where those services are available.
1: What would constitute an urgent case?
3: Really any sudden change in vision uh, or any sudden new symptoms, so a red eye that just comes on all of a sudden, especially if there's a vision change, especially if there's pain, uh, anything that's a really a sudden change uh, could be considered urgent. And the best thing to do is to, to contact your doctor and have that uh, phone consult or have that video consult to figure out if this is something that is, is truly urgent. And if they can assess and diagnose you over the phone or video, then uh, they can actually get you started on treatment or at least sort of explain to you what's going on right there.
1: Most of your patients are over 65. What are the kinds of things that you treat them for? And will they know if something is urgent?
3: It's hard to know sometimes if something is urgent. I mean, you know, up till a couple of weeks ago when everything was sort of operating normally, um, we would get uh, several calls a day often from our patients of any age really, but often uh, seniors who would call and ask about, uh, a sudden change in vision or a sudden new symptom. And we would triage that right over the phone and then figure out how urgently that person needed to be seen. So the real difference now is that uh, that that sort of visit is instead of being in our office, the first visit and the first point of contact with the doctor is now really over the phone or video. So the best thing to do if they're not sure if something is urgent uh, is really to reach out and ask the question. And oftentimes that uh, that can be answered by your doctor pretty quickly.
1: For a lot of people... Even the routine care is important, so for instance if if you are having accelerated eye appointments to make sure that you're not progressing to macular degeneration or something like that, what what do you say to those people who uh, whose routine appointments have been cancelled?
3: absolutely uh, very we're very concerned, of course, about the fact that we can't uh, care for our patients as normal, but we're all sort of, uh, contributing and trying to help flatten the curve, as we have heard that phrase so often in the last couple of weeks, and reduce uh, person-to-person uh, close physical contact. Anyone that's had an eye exam knows that your eye doctor does have to come within two metres of you, which is the recommended distance, in order to properly conduct the exam. So those routine visits, they're going to happen again in the future. We, we, we don't know how soon uh, we're going to be allowed to do that by the government, but certainly once that uh, once that door starts to open again, your doctor is going to be going through all of those cases, all of those appointments that had to be canceled, and going to be prioritizing them based on the risk uh, and, and the need. And those, uh, I, I can tell you for sure that uh, the docs in my practice, we're going to be working overtime uh, when we're back in the office to try to catch up and make sure that all those people that need to be seen for, for even routine visits are going to be caught up with.
1: Anything else you want to leave us with?
3: Well, I'd say that the... the Two things that we're most concerned about now is helping to keep people out of the emergency room. So um, that is number one. And keeping patients uh, and just Ontarians be able to have an option, if they have an urgent eye concern, not to simply have to be worrying at home, but rather also have that option to call their optometrist and have this remote care. So this is this has become the standard really quickly in a couple of weeks. We know that as of March 13th, um, family doctors uh really I've started switching over to urgent care or uh, over the phone and actually seeing all the patients over the phone. And optometrists are, are are quickly and have quickly done the same thing. Um, the the only problem of course is right now uh, the the government uh, and OHIP is only covering these consults and video consults for family doctors, for physicians. So dentists, optometrists, none of the rest of us have access to this uh access to that um, uh, OHIP insured service so what happens is, uh, we end up having to do this privately or, uh, doing it pro bono and many optometrists are doing that. And we're actively lobbying the government to say, look, we want Ontarians to have access to this, to this service during this, this pandemic. Um, this is, uh, the, the right time for us to be available to our patients in this way. And we want Ontarians to feel like they have an option outside of going to the emergency room. Um, so we're still working on the government with that. And if you, are listening and you think that this is something you, you want to have you should uh, reach out to your MPP and talk to them about this, this issue
1: Dr. Joshua Smith president of the Ontario Association of Optometrists thank you so much for being with us
3: thank you very much Libby
1: that was dr. Joshua Smith president of the Ontario Association of Optometrists brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Zneimer.